All set? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks uh coming to the latest Denny Artachi Show podcast. Another special guest. I'm, I've been getting really lucky lately with some guests that I've been having. Michelle, is it Averett? Is that how you say it? Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of negativity in this world going on, and I always like happy, fun, true stories in life. Aren't we tired of, you know, the right versus left crap that they're, you know, pushing on us all the time? So the reason I have Michelle on, we're Facebook friends, and I've been following you for a while, and your story, my hair standing thinking about it, um, Michelle here literally died in her sleep, and uh, her husband found her. She's literally died and come back to life, which the only one I know that did that was Jesus Christ. Uh, so don't don't get crazy, all you you know. I'm not being blasphemous. I'm just trying to invoke some fun. So Michelle is is uh, she's a mom. She's been a model, but I want to talk about. Oh, my God. Talk about a life-changing incident. So what happened? You went to sleep one night. Everything's normal, right? Well, 11 years ago, it was 2011. The day was normal. I, you know, tucked my kids into bed, mm -hmm. said goodnight. Nothing was abnormal. Um, went to bed at a normal time, and I guess in the middle of the night, I just died. They call it um, sudden cardiac death where your heart kind of just speeds up so fast it ends up just electrically stopping. And my husband at the time saw me and immediately something told him, like, wake up, look at Michelle, um, which we think it was my brother who had passed on before. And it was just a weird situation why he woke up at 2.30 in the middle of the you know night and looked at me. But So I'm, just out of the blue, he woke up mm -hmm. like something, hey, wake up. And he looked over to you and he saw that... Yeah, he said something told him to wake up and turn on the light and look at me. And I was blue and my eyes were rolled back in my head and I was just completely gone. But we're scuba divers and so he knew how to do CPR and Okay. So he was calling 911 while he was immediately doing that. Um, but by the time the ambulance got there, you know, he wasn't, nobody was able to revive me. So they ended up just putting me in a hypothermic coma. So wait, so you're in the ambulance and they're like, she's dead. There's nothing we can do. Yeah. But I was 32. So they were really, and a young mom, I had a one-year-old and a four-year-old and they really wanted to save my life. So they had just got this new technology where they can freeze your body, um, put you in a hypothermic coma for 24 hours to try to save any organs while they work on the heart. I so, never heard of this. What is this called? I think it's called the hypothermic um, coma. <laughs> um, so, oh my God. You know, if it was me, it's like, yeah, he's done. Let's stick him in the back. We'll get to him later. You were literally dead. The paramedics said, hey, she's dead. She, you had no heartbeat. No heartbeat. So then they decided to use this new technique and they did it in the ambulance there, and then mm -hmm. they took you to the hospital. Right. Oh, my God. This is, wow, this is getting something else. Okay, so you're there at the hospital, and did they, in, well, how could they put you in a coma? You were dead. Well, what they do is they inject something into you which freezes your body. I'm not sure how they do that. 
But when you're frozen, it's only down to like, I want to say 70 degrees. I'm not quite sure what the temperature is, but it's not the normal 96. And that's where the body can kind of restore itself. I've never heard it. The only freezing I've ever heard is Walt Disney did that after he died because he thinks, you know, they're going to bring him back. Oh. He, uh, like that's Vanilla what, Sky. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's what he did with his body. So, oh, my God. So the the paramedics knew to do this. You, you're at the hospital, and they agree to go along with this? Yes. So they keep you in it for 24 hours while okay. they're trying to change out. And meanwhile, you have no vital signs at all? No. It, it was it was like everybody said this is the biggest miracle and these are I know that's why I'm that's why you're here and we're talking I'm looking at you here's the other thing you said your heart was racing mm-hmm. in your sleep like did you have any previous heart disease prior to this um well they don't know why that happened it could have been a virus which is really rare and it's a heart virus so it's not even you know, you can't even tell somebody has one. And it could have been because I just had a baby. But otherwise, they don't really know. Like, how fast, like, does your heart race that it just stops? Like, 180, 150? Oh, no. I think it was, like, two. Something. Oh, my God. It, it was, it was um, really. You're so, like, you know, slim. And who would ever guess that you would have? Mm-hmm. I know in my... Uh, Stupid drunken days. I'm not an alcoholic, but I've played one in real life many times. <laughs> if I've had too much to drink at night, my heart would be racing, and mm-hmm. it was the alcohol doing it. I don't miss it. I've lost weight. I, my sleep is better. Right. You know, I didn't have to go to detox or anything. It just, I mean, that's, I sometimes wonder too. I'd be sleeping and go, oh, my heart's racing. Well, dude, it's all that alcohol you had, it's not good for you. So that happened to you. You had no signs of it prior. You were as healthy as, as can be. You're right. I mean, I was really healthy. I mean, I used to run every day, pushing a double stroller with like the two dogs attached, you know, in the summer and eat organic. And I mean, it yeah, was really out weird. of nowhere. But it was more of an electrical problem than, you know, a blockage of an artery type of heart problem. Okay. Do they think that you were born with this defect? No. No, it just happened. All right, so now we're in the hospital. Now they've agreed to freeze you for 24 hours. And what's the normal protocol? Like, hey, if they don't snap out of it, uh, that's it? Yeah. So then what happened in the 24 hours? During that time, um, my husband at the time couldn't get to the hospital because we had the two babies at home and we had just moved here. Okay. So he kept calling up to the hospital while we were waiting for somebody to come over from across the state to watch the kids and the doctors were like you know focus on your kids because we don't see her making it an hour and he was just you know I'm gonna get over there so he did get over there oh my god and um they they ended up trying to put in different heart pumps but they didn't work so but my whole point is this whole time you have no vital signs Mm -hmm. aren't you supposed to be like brain dead after so many minutes I'm not quite sure about all the scientific stuff behind it, but yes. So that's why they were shocked that, you know, I did survive and I wasn't brain dead or, 
you know, quadriplegic or something. Boy, if you uh, if you weren't a person of faith before this, you are now, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all the doctors who usually aren't as much, you know, believing in that kind of thing said, you are a miracle. This has never happened before. I have never seen this. You have to write a book. Look, look at, <laughs> folks, look, look at Michelle here. And so, okay, so the 24 hours are done. You're still not snapping out of it. You have no vital signs. Then what happened? Then um, they finally put in one heart pump that started to work for me. And it was a different type of heart pump. Um, but why didn't they put a heart pump before? I mean, they did, but they weren't working. It wasn't working. Right. So, so your heart was going because of the pump. It wasn't going naturally. Right. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. You mm-hmm. you didn't go 24 hours without assistance. They had you on machines. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. so an hour uh, after they decide to freeze you, you're in the hospital. They put you on these heart pumps and everything. Mm-hmm. 24 hours go by. She's not going to make it. And then I think you said that you were in a coma for like a month. Yeah, 26 days. So, I mean, at that time, your husband, they were probably saying, hey, you Every should, day. you got to yeah. pull the plug here. She ain't going to make it. She's, yeah. did they say you were brain dead? Well, what happened was I was in the gardens hospital, but I needed to be transferred to Jackson in Miami. Okay. And um, they were like, you know, she has to be on a trauma hawk then because she's not going to make it. She has like 50 machines, you know inside of her so they they trauma hawked me down there um and of course through for the 26 days none of this like i was completely gone for but when i got down there because i had that different heart pump from abiomed it actually is only supposed to work for a few hours i had it in for six days and it did the work of my heart while all my other organs rested so i ended up not even needing a new heart when i got to jackson I got to still have my own heart, but I mean, I was still touching over those 26 days. I don't know why this didn't make the news. It did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you, you should be on the, the lecture circuit around the country. I mean, look at you. You look awesome. I know that Thanks. you said that um, you've done modeling mm-hmm. a lot of part of your life, but you actually have a master's degree as well, right? right you're not yeah. just you're not just a smiley, go happy type <laughs> of person. Um, so wow! And did you dream or anything while this was happening? Yeah, I had a lot of really cool things happen that were not supposed to happen. Um, one, when I was in the hospital and I was frozen, yeah, my husband at the time kept saying, you know mentioning my kids' names over and over again. So you whispered that in your ear. Yeah. Um, and just you heard Brennan it. Ryder, and you heard it. Yeah, because they were <sighs> only four and one at the time. So for me, it this, was This important. is why, you know, a lot of times hospice people, you know, they just say whatever they want because the patient, and I go, hey, what are you doing? They yeah. can hear you. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. They, yeah. Yeah, they can hear you. Yeah. So you heard your husband saying, your kids' names. I did, and I actually t- uh, cried. A tear came out of my eye, and the <sighs> nurse started crying because she says that has never happened before. That's that's <sighs> technically impossible to happen. So um, that was one thing. Another thing was, I remember being operated on in Jackson, which is weird because I didn't even 
know where I was or what happened. But I remember the doctor, it was like I was on top of my body looking down. And I remember because he, he always said, um, dear, he always said, no, dear, yes, dear. It's okay, dear. And like, he always said that. And, so and you when remember I woke that. Up, yeah, yeah. I was like, I know him, but I don't know how. And then I remembered it was because I saw him in surgery on me. It's very like weird and complicated. You didn't have one of those, uh, out of life experiences where you're looking down. It's like, oh my God, it's me. Did yeah. you? Yeah. Oh man, this is just, uh, my, my hairs are standing up again. I mean, it, you really, did you, did you see God at all? I don't think I saw God, but I was in a very, very happy place where everything was beautiful and you had no bad feelings or sad feelings. It was just pure bliss. And I remember hearing my kids' names and thinking, oh my God, I've got kids. I've got to get back. I need to get back there. I have babies. So I immediately um, tried to come back to life, so to speak. Yeah. And I remember feeling that it felt extremely hard to do. It felt like I was physically like crawling out of a hole that was six feet deep because it was such a hard task. And it was so sad to leave behind all this pure bliss and happiness, but I knew I had to get back for my kids. I know that there have been some people in history that have stated that, that they were in the in-between, mm-hmm. and that I have a friend, a uh, musician, that he had died a couple times, and he said the same thing. And I'm always, it makes you wonder, you know, what what is the afterlife? What do you go through? And I don't, I'm not being blasphemous. I'm a man of faith, okay? God created everything, mm-hmm. including stuff that we don't understand or know. Right. So how about the magic moment? You wake up. And what in the world was that like? And who's the first person you saw when you woke up? When I woke up, I was really... Okay, well, let's go back a little bit. So I was I was in a coma for 26 days. 26 days in a coma, yeah. And during that time, you know, it was very touch and go. Mm-hmm. Every day they were telling my parents and my husband at the time, this is probably going to be the last day, you know. At some points they were holding all the holes in my body closed because I was just gushing out blood. Um, I mean, a doctor had to spend the whole night, and they're like, that never happens. <laughs> like, What holes? Did they well, poke holes, you full of yeah. holes? Yeah. Why did they do that? Well, a lot of things happen when all your organs shut down. I had severe pneumonia. Um, my kidneys went down, so I gained over 100 pounds, you know, basically overnight. I wasn't flushing any fluids. Um, I had a really bad rash from all the medications and stuff. So many things were kind of happening but towards the end you know they they would start to say let's see if we can take her off the vent and they would take it out and they'd wake me up for it but it wouldn't go well <laughs> like it feels like somebody hmm. is like pushing down on your lungs when they have a and you were <laughs> you were sensing all these things yes. it was that that were yeah. um wow scary very scary <sighs> God, I can't even, can you imagine what your parents were feeling like, your husband, everybody? It's like, mm-hmm. it, 
I don't know what to do because, you know, I have a, a DNR, you know, that yeah. if I go into a vegetative coma state that, but think about, uh, that's a tough decision because right. I'm sure they were saying to your family, hey, listen, what's the point? Let's just, let's right. unplug her. What made him say, no, we're going to keep going? I think it was probably my parents and my husband. They were like, no, she's young. She's 32. She's so healthy. There's no way. And, you know, that's why my voice is like this, actually. I have a paralyzed vocal cord from being intubated too long. And, you know, the nurses were like, she's if she I, th lives. I thought it was just a natural Deborah Winger kind of vibe, you know? No. <laughs> I, I actually hate it because it's... At night, you hate it, really? Yeah, if it's really loud, if you're someplace, nobody, <laughs> it hurts at the end of the night. It feels like a sore throat, you know? Hey, let me but, remind <laughs> you, Michelle, compared to where you were, yeah. it's okay. Definitely. In fact, does anything really bother you much anymore after going through that? After going through that, I think a lot, a lot of your perspective changes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. Um, you eat the chocolate and whatever, right? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, even back then, I was a little more strict with what I ate and stuff. And now, yeah. no No, way. forget it. Yeah. Life's so short. It could be done oh, well, tomorrow. You're, you're definitely not 100 pounds too heavy. <laughs> but I really want to know when you finally, oh, you were leading up to when you're waking up. Mm -hmm. You know, the, you got the holes going as you say, oh, my God. And you do wake up. Miraculously. Mm -hmm. Were you alone when you woke up? Was there someone in the room? Everybody seemed to be in the room. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, the, the doctor was there, my parents, they were, and Max husband, they were like talking in a corner. And it they didn't do grave. anything to revive you. You just happened to snap out of it. No, they, they take the tube out and then they bring you out of the drug induced coma. Oh, so they put you in a coma on purpose? Yes, because I was. Like, pretty much totally gone. So that way, they can kind of, like, save anything if okay. you do end up surviving. So they put you in a coma so that your body could recuperate? Right. Okay. So the day that they decided to take the tube off, you woke up, which is what they were hoping would happen. Right. But it could have gone either way. Well, the first time, it went badly. And so they put it back in, and they drugged me back up, and then they did it again, and I was able to breathe on my own that time. Okay. Um, you know, when you're in the hospital for so long, every single one of your muscle atrophies. I couldn't even lift my hand yeah. to, to touch my hair, much less get out of the bed to go to the bathroom. So it was, like, hard to breathe, which is kind of weird because I was always such an athlete. But I knew something bad had happened just because of the – behavior of my parents they just seemed so sad and I thought wait did I get in a car accident you know I didn't quite know what happened and I didn't quite yeah you went to the extent of, you went yeah. to sleep right you were like how did I wind up here right what? I had like no recollection and the of course 20 the 26 days was like that yeah. you're waking up you're in a room so, yeah, you didn't know. You weren't relieved that you woke up because you didn't know what happened. Right. I was, I was so like, you, where are my kids? Why am I here? So you, <laughs> Why can't you, I lift anything? Were they looking at you weird? It's like they're like, are you there? And you're yeah. like, hey, what? what? You were probably like, what? Well, the thing is I couldn't talk <laughs> at all. Um, my voice is bad now, but back then it was nothing. Nothing. So I had to try to write, but I couldn't write either. No. Um, but wow. they, they said, you know, 
to my family, be careful, don't get your hopes up because she might be brain dead or she's gonna be, and then when I passed that you know, milestone, I wasn't brain dead, they're like, well, she could be quadriplegic. Like all these things kept on, I kept passing them these like milestones to getting better and um, it was because I kind of just kept thinking about my kids and they, a one-year-old and a four-year-old, they need their mom. So I knew oh I had to come God. back. Oh my God. I, wow. I mean, it wasn't, um, if, if you weren't telling me all these things, it's just so hard to believe. I know. And it probably took you how many months where you could stand up and move normally? I mean, how long did it take oh, yeah. after that? I mean, I would say probably three months. I had to learn how to walk again. Oh, mm. I mean, for a while, everybody had to do something for me. I, like, I couldn't even sit on the toilet. Like, somebody had to put me on, put me off, wash my hair. I mean, everything had to be done because I just had to kind of relearn everything with physical therapy. So you get through, here you are now, year or two later. I mean, what were your biggest takeaways from all that happened to you? Um, I've always believed life is short because my brother passed away, um, I think 10 years before that actually. But even more so, you realize how important um, it is to show everyone you love that you love them and to spread like love and positivity because life is short and you might never see that person again. So, I mean, that's been probably my biggest takeaway. How do you deal, and of course, it's a beautiful way to live, but how do you deal with someone who doesn't get it and they're angry, belligerent, you know, just you don't want to be around them? That's hard because... I'm an empath, so I feel everything so strongly. So for me, it really rubs off on me. So I would probably try to distance myself from them if they just can't really see the point that life is beautiful. I think that's been lost in the last probably 10 years for America. I mean, I, I love our country. I'm a, an Army veteran. I'm... I'm more of a moderate than anything, even though I'm officially a conservative. But there's just been, people forget that we have so much in common mm -hmm. rather than differences. We all want right. to be happy. We want to have a, a family life. We want to be able to pay our bills. We want to be healthy. Right. We want to help others instead of put down others or be jealous of others. Right. And, and, that's a life worth living. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, it takes a situation. I have a feeling, though, you were like that before this happened, but it really probably yeah. really hit home. You yeah. say you're an empath. Does that mean you dated musicians? <laughs> <laughs> no. It means any type of vibe that somebody's putting off, I take it on. Ultra sensitive. Yeah, very. Oh, wow. If somebody's in a bad mood and we're out to eat, I will be leave there in the worst mood. And I hate that. So, um, yeah. I'm not an empath, but I, I've had to watch my sensitivity because what happens is we just, we take personally a lot of stuff Yeah. when it has nothing to do with us. Right. And it's hard to shut that off because we ultimately have a good heart. We do want the best for people, but we have our moments. We right. all do. And 
I think most people that are angry and, and mean to people, it's because they're so unhappy with themselves. Definitely. They're so unhappy with life. They get caught into what they don't have instead of what they do have. So that was one of the reasons I wanted you on this show to remind people, hey, don't don't wait going into a coma because, man, you you wake up from that. So that was 11 years ago. Yes. Okay. What have you been doing with yourself since then? Since then, I've really been um, focusing mostly on the kids. Because. Yeah, that's a full-time job. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your daughter goes to Dwyer High School, you said. Yes. Yes, I, I know Dwyer. I, uh, I've i mentored students there. And, uh, yeah, I. so that's a full-time job. And mm-hmm. um, I, are you are you doing any modeling? What are you doing for? I was thinking about getting back into it. Yeah? Um, but. Not good for an empath because they're probably not right? in a good mood. I know. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess it just depends. Have you thought about writing a book or just yes. talking more about this? Because I think people would love to hear your story. Yeah. Um, I left the hospital and I promised all the doctors that I would write a book because they were like, this is insane. So well, I, I said, I'll I, I'm going to push you to do it. It's been 11 years. Let's get cracking here. thing is, I feel like I need somebody. I know it's going to be a movie, too. So <laughs> probably, I mean, because it's such a crazy story. I want to so, roll in the first podcast interview <laughs> when the movie comes out. Yeah, um, you should write a book. I have a mm-hmm. book. I'm working on my second book. Really? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a copy. It's called Thoughts to Live By. Okay, yeah. Uh, because I've struggled with many things in life, but ultimately, I know the kind of person I want to be. Right. It's not always easy. Believe right. me, running a business, mm-hmm. playing music getting lost in stupid things. Mm -hmm. I try and live a clean life. I'm usually at the gym early. I try and eat well. That's good. I'd like to live, you know, as as healthy and as as much as I can. Right. But it's hard. I think the main thing also is if you turn on the news, Mm -hmm. it's all negative stuff. Yeah. And the problem is we all get caught up on it. Definitely. What happened to having a happy news network? <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, you tune in like, hey, folks, we're not selling uh, <laughs> death today, drugs, politics. Yeah. We want to talk about you being happy. And uh, that probably wouldn't work. People would be like, stop your smilingness. <laughs> yeah. So you're thinking about modeling. And have, 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 what other type of work have you done? Or um, Well, you know, I was a nurse recruiter before I had kids. Okay. But it's it's very much, you know, a, a huge undertaking type of job. It's not a 9 to 5. It's usually a lot more. So I never got back into that. I did do a little bit of recruiting afterwards and mm-hmm. maybe even a little, like, home health care. But um, mostly I'm just focusing on the kids, and it, it's a lot. Wow. Teens. <laughs> so you mentioned a few times your ex-husband. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. that didn't work. Um, a lot of that, I think, was the pressure from all of this that happened. You know, it probably made him go crazy a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even know what that's like. He had to deal with it, and right. um, and you come out. I hate to say this, but kind of half the person. Right now, I mean, besides the vocal cords, I do have other like health problems. Um, How's your heart doing? 
My heart's doing pretty well. I did have an open heart in 2015 for something unrelated. Okay. <laughs> but um, but I was able to do it through the side, which is amazing. So there was no scar. Um, and since then, it's pretty much back to normal. So. See, I reached out to you because I saw your story on Stories on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I love to have local friends. You know, I like to promote my music, my business, my podcast. I do uh, public speaking. And I always notice that you have these positive posts. Yeah. You really, really do. And that's so, no, that's so awesome because that's, that's what attracted me to Facebook and social media in the first place. Fun, you know, not too serious. I mean, obviously stuff happens to all of us. Mm -hmm. We lose loved ones. People die from cancer, from drugs. But you always had some positive things. So that's when the idea came to me and I reached out. And and that's awesome that you're like that. Because who would guess? I mean, looking at you like, oh, yeah, Miss Perfect, beautiful, got everything going. What does she know about a tough life? I got a tough. They don't know. The whole message is be kind to everybody. Yeah. Because you have no idea what people are going through. Exactly. And I asked you specifically about difficult people. There's a few difficult people that I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. Some are family members. And I try and help as best I can. But you have to have boundaries because misery loves company. I've had enough misery. Yeah. I I recently said to myself, hey, Denny, uh, you have less days in front of you than you do behind you. So you better pick wisely on right. how you want to spend your days. Yeah. And I talk to people like you who remind me. I I wish more people would share their stories like you because, again, yeah. we're, we're so uh, polarized these days and yeah. there's so much rhetoric going on. How, I mean, how did we get there? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't remember that it was like that. It wasn't like that. I mean, it... it <laughs> I mean, we and got when there. does it end? When does it stop? Uh, hopefully soon. I, I hope so. But <laughs> but here's the deal: we can't control that, Michelle. No. We can only control how we get up every day. Right. And I, um, you know what? I think I have a copy in my car, so I'm definitely going to give you. Um, what would you say to everyone out there right now that's going through some hard times? Like, what, what's your message to them? I always like to think of your days as far as hills and valleys. This is what I tell my daughter all the time. Sometimes you're on a hill, sometimes you're in a valley, but it's going to keep going and you just have to hold on. It will get better. Um, And just always try to think positive. I think meditating really helped me. So I do that every night, even if it's just like five minutes. And always trying to think about what you're grateful for. Um, Because... Even the smallest thing, we should be grateful for everything, and it kind of shifts your perspective on life, you know? Sure. And boy, God has uh, blessed you with this miracle. And um, so we were laughing in my office prior to the podcast, so you're enjoying the uh, uh, the dating life these days, huh? Yeah. So it is, it's <laughs> How's that going? <laughs> it's entertaining, huh? It is, it is. But you, you try and keep it fun, right? Not too seriously? Definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to find somebody out there that you want to spend a month with, much less your life. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just try to look at it as you know, maybe you're meeting a new friend, and right, 
Yeah, it's That's it's good. so it's so funny. It's almost like uh, they're interviewing each other, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, let me check off to see if you're a keeper, yeah, or a forgetter, or uh, or hey, I'm going to show you my best side, and then once I get you, then you're going to find out the real me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why aren't you just the real you from the get go? This way, I can figure out whether I want it or not. Right. So, uh, okay, no funny stories that you're just enjoying it and. Um, Lots of funny stories, but I remember... <laughs> you don't have to mention any <laughs> names. Do they freak out when you tell them what happened to you? Yeah, I mean, I try not to say that on the first date because <laughs> it's such a buzzkill for everybody. It's like, oh. I get about, hey, before we get going, I died and came back to life. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> yeah, so I try to, I mean, that will come out later if yeah. we make it past the first date. <laughs> I, uh... I don't envy uh, the dating scene, but you're doing the right thing. You, you'll be keeping it light. You're, I mean, my God, after what you've been through. Yeah. And um, I know your daughter's a high schooler. Is she impressed that you came through this? She's like, or she's like, whatever. I think she's just used to it because she was yeah. four when it happened. Yeah. So she doesn't even remember a lot of it. That's good, I guess. Yeah. Because, I, you know, I was gone for 32 days, so, I mean... I, and they couldn't come see me because I was in the CICU. So I was just devastated. That's why I ended up getting a tattoo of them on my wrist because I wanted to have them, like, always with me. Yeah. Even if they can't be, you know, just kind of close to my heart. Well, I've really enjoyed speaking with you, meeting you. <laughs> I hope we can become friends. Maybe you can come to one of my shows. and. Yeah. um God, that's just such a great story. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your first podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, it'll be on a YouTube channel. Uh, it'll be on the, uh, you know, we'll put the video, but you can catch the podcast on Spotify, Amazon, iHeart. Uh, what am I missing? Uh, Apple. Wow. So uh, thank you so much. I hope people really get something out of this. And look, looks can be deceiving. Looks like she has never gone through any hard times in life, and look at you. You're a testament to the human spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Until next time, folks, uh, I don't know how I can top this interview, but I'm going to try my best, all right? Make it a great day and count your blessings, all right? Thanks.